also need to consider the shrewdness of things and consider the benefit and consider the outcome, right? So we hold these two things in tension of being both innocent and shrewd, being both obedient to Jesus and considering the benefit. So in the context of friendship, right, if we're neither obedient nor we consider the benefit, a lot of us are hopeless, right? We've been talking about this. We're hopeless. And those are those of us in the room that have no friends, right? And, bec- and here's why, and I don't, I'm not saying anything bad. It's because we've been hurt by friends. We've been harmed by friends. We've gone through some really, really, really hard stuff. So as we consider friendship, we, there's just a wave of negativity that comes up. It's not, friendship is not something positive. Friendship is something that's very negative, right? For, so for those of us that friendship is very negative, um, those are the, those of us that are hopeless, and we have, and we would consider it to be having no friends. Now, what about those of us that are merely obedient? So just, we, we're innocent, we're super innocent, we're obedient. I would say we're naive, and we will take any friends, literally anybody. You're breathing, and you're breathing, and you're breathing, and you're breathing. We're like the Oprah of friendship. You can be my friend, and you can be my friend, and you can be my friend, and everybody can be my friend, right? We have, con- consider neither good nor bad, just everybody, right? For those of us who may struggle with boundaries, may struggle with um, a lot of things, but we'll just take anybody at all that wants to be our friend, and we just give and give and give and give and give and give and give ourselves in order to be a good friend. And for those of us that are naive, uh, we would even say, but if I'm not their friend, nobody will be, right? Some of us may feel that way. Or some of us may feel, um, uh, I need to help them. I need to help save them. Because if I'm not in their life, man, I don't know what's going to happen, right? So those of us, and that means that's a really, really good thing because our hearts are so huge, right? Which is awesome. There's so much compassion, so much purity in heart, so much innocence. But that innocence is not considering shrewdness and is not considering the benefit. Now, for some of us, we ain't got no problem with that, y'all, because we are calculating and we only consider friends with benefits, right? So, and I don't just mean that in the, the sexual way, friends with benefits, um, although that could be also be true. Um, I mean it in the sense that we only consider friends who benefit us. We don't consider the innocence and obedience to Jesus. We only consider outcomes, we only consider the benefit, and we only consider shrewdness in our friendships. So if you can't serve me, we cannot be friends. If you can't help me get to where I want to go, I don't have time for you, right? And we have these massive concrete walls with a drawbridge, and we let in people in and out, right? But most of the people stay out unless we get kind of get, um, some of us we may even get into like, that are very, very shrewd, a little too shrewd, maybe involve kidnapping, where we literally go and like kidnap people, and then go and take them with us, and like, you're going to be my friend, right? So these are those of us that only consider friends with benefits. Now, what happens whenever we're both obedient to Jesus, but we also consider the benefit, right? We're confident, we're confident in who we are in Jesus, and we want to pursue safe friends, right? So for the rest of our time, we're going to talk about what it looks like to pursue safe friends. And as I'm thinking through safe relationships, um, I'm thinking through uh, one of the guys that was in my fraternity. I told you I would come back to it. One of the guys was in my fraternity, um, this guy named Ryan. 
Now, Ryan and I really re- are really, really good friends. Um, a lot of our story kind of tracked together. We were in choir in college together. Uh, we joined the same fraternity. We served on staff for our college ministry. Um, we lived in the same house with like seven other dudes because that's what you do in college. And I guess Anna in Orlando, probably a lot of, a lot of similarities there. Um, so we were just, we were great friends. Now, Ryan had a hobby, and his hobby was playing disc golf. Are you guys familiar with disc golf? So, <laughs> got a few. So uh, disc golf, um, if you're unfamiliar, it's like playing golf, but with discs, or like frisbees. Um, so you would grab a, a disc, um, and then you kind of throw it into a pin, right? So it's basically like golf, golf with frisbees. So Ryan, it was a hobby. He picked it up in college, and Ryan was really good. And me, I am uh, competitive to a fault at times. God's working on me, but I'm competitive to a fault, right? And I think uh, the first time I ever try something, I want to be really good, right? And also, I want to be better than everybody else. I'm being vulnerable. I'm being open, right? So whenever I try something brand new, I've never done it before, and yet in my mind, I'm like, I want to immediately be good, and I immediately want to be better than everybody else, so this is what I'm thinking as I'm considering disc golf. So I go to disc golf for the very first time, and I get the disc, and you got to kind of do a walk-up thing, kind of do an X-step, and then you throw it, and my disc went way over there, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this may be a little more difficult than I thought. But I would play, and I would play with Ryan, and I would play with some other guys that we had, and I could never beat him, and it was frustrating. We would go multiple times, and I could never beat him. Um, so I then moved to Dallas, Um, And I was like, man, I really, really want to beat Ryan in disc golf. So what do I need to do? Okay, let me me buy my own discs. Let me go practice. Let me go play with some of the people I knew in Dallas. Uh, And it's kind of fun, but really, I just want to beat Ryan. So sure enough, I get significantly better at disc golf, and I get to the point to where I think that I can can beat Ryan. So um, I'm Dallas and Waco. Um, So Ryan's living in Waco at the time. Dallas is about mm, an hour and a half away there in Texas. Um, So one night, or one weekend, I go and I visit Ryan there in Waco, and I was like, hey, Ryan, you want to go play disc golf? He was like, oh, yeah, I haven't, oh, yeah, I used to do that. I haven't really played in a while. Yeah, that would be, that'd be pretty cool. And I'm like, yes, here's my opportunity. (laughs) So, so we go, and, um, you know, we're playing, and, you know, Ryan never, hasn't touched a disc in a while. Perfect shot. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. So I go, do my X step, throw, my disc goes way over there. <sighs> Ryan says, that's cool, Isaac, let's go find it. I'm like, oh, dude, you're not supposed to be so gracious and encouraging. I'm trying to destroy you in disc golf, and you're just like a really good dude. What's going on here? So we would play, and then internally, so we played often, and I could never beat him. I would come from Dallas multiple times to try to beat Ryan in disc golf, and I could never, still to this day, I've never beaten him in disc golf. So, but I still enjoyed it. I thought I wanted to play disc golf with Ryan so I could be competitive and beat him in disc golf. But as we would play, I realized that I would leave playing with him and I would leave feeling so encouraged and hopeful about life and with really good nuggets of wisdom. And I was like, oh, I'm wondering if the reason I like playing disc golf with Ryan is not because it's less about the disc golf, and it's more about, I think I just like spending a lot of time with Ryan, and it's kind of just fun doing fun things with him, because I consider that to be a safe relationship, right? So whenever we would play, this is back in, you know, four or five years ago, uh, you know, when I was single and I was considering dating, Ryan would just have really, really good wisdom, 
And some of the things that he would say was, hey, Isaac, that's really cool. How are you thinking through that? Um, hey, have you considered, like, what God may say about this? Like, let's just consider what God may say in dating and other aspects of your relational life. And I was like, oh, man, Ryan, Ooh, that's really good. Okay, yeah, I'll, consi- I'll consider, never really thought about that. Uh, I'll consider what God has to say. I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it more. Um, so, so then um, with... Um, as I was, you know, moving, in te- moving to Dallas with a new city, and I was trying to consider new friendships, right? And I would tell Ryan, hey, man, like, I'm just trying to find new friends in this new city. And Ryan would say, hey, Isaac, have you considered joining a life group at your church? That seems like a good option for you, right? I was like, oh, yeah, I never really, didn't really think about that. Okay, yeah, let me join a life group at my church. That does sound like a good option to find some friends. Um, and then, you know, quarter-life Christ happens. You're either about to enter into, currently in, or just coming out of a quarter-life crisis. If you're here at the table, Welcome. So I was in my quarter-life crisis, 25, 26 years old, and um, I would talk to Ryan about it, and he was like, Isaac, from, from what I know about you, it seems like um, you seem to be really gifted in this thing over here, and I think that you really should consider that. That seems to be where I think your skills are. I think you would flourish doing that. And um, I don't think you should consider this other option because that just doesn't, I mean, you can try it if you want to, but just from what, as your friend, I love you, man, from what I know about you, it just seems like this option A over here um, seems to be a better fit for you. I'm like, oh, man. So these are the types of conversations we would have at the disc golf course, right? Whole seven, we're talking deep, deep, deep about life. I just really, really enjoyed my conversations with Ryan when we were playing disc golf because Ryan is what I would call, for me, a safe relationship, right? And I think to some extent we've all experienced some safe relationships. But um, here's, what, here's a, some uh, examples of a safe relationship. Here's what it does. Number one, a safe relationship. A safe relationship draws us closer to God. This is exactly what Ryan was doing. This is exactly what my other safe relationships would do. Help us uh, draw closer to God, right? Say, hey, what is, do you consider the Bible as you're t- thinking through this? Um, do you consider patting your, your life after Jesus as you're considering this, right? What else do safe relationships do? Number two, they draw us closer to others, right? So with my relationship with Ryan, it wasn't just he was hoarding me all for himself. Um, He actually was encouraging me to have these other really healthy, vibrant relationships, right? Especially because we weren't living in the same city. So he wanted me to go meet people, get plugged in um, at church. So a safe relationship draws us closer to others. And number three, help us become the unique person God created us to be. Right? So with these safe relationships, they're going to know us or they're going to know some things about us and they're going to help us, um, help us become the unique person that God created us to be. Right? And I think to some extent, for not, maybe not everybody in the room, but for most people in the room, uh, we would have some safe relationships that were like, yeah, I think that's true um, with that. I also know that not all of our relationships are safe. There's actually something else that we need to process, which are toxic relationships. And what a toxic relationship does is actually the exact opposite of what a safe relationship does. Here's the exact opposite of a safe relationship. A toxic relationship draws us away from God. Right? So a safe relationship wants us to consider Jesus, wants to consider what Scripture says, wants to just create safe space for us to sit still and hear from God. If you're in residency, this is Kairos moments, right? Just allowing us to kind of sit and just hearing what God has to say to us. But a toxic relationship keeps us really busy to where we don't have time to hear from God. 
to where we don't have time to kind of consider the things of the Lord, that we do- doesn't really encourage us to follow Jesus, actually discourages us from following Jesus, right? We feel like we need to be obedient to Jesus and do this one thing over here, and a toxic relationship will say, no, that's stupid. You don't need to do that. You need to do this thing over here. So a toxic relationship draws us away from God. Number two, a toxic relationship draws us away from others. So a toxic relationship is going to try to isolate you, not encourage you to spend a lot of time with other people, but isolate you to spend time in that toxic relationship and suck up all of your time and all of your energy and create a lot of drama and create just a lot of like all-consuming. This toxic relationship is all-consuming to you in a way that it isolates you from these other potentially healthy relationships, right? This is what a toxic relationship does. Number three, helps you or helps us become the unique person they want us to be, right? Not the unique person that God wants us to be, but helps us become the unique person that they want us to be. Meaning, um, in the toxic relationships, our feelings, our desires, our own opinion, our, our own actions are not considered. It's all about what's best for the toxic relationship, right? So the toxic person may even come in and really try to control and try to tell exactly what you need to be doing, what you need to be feeling, so in a toxic relationship, we're going to feel like we need to become the person that the person in the toxic relationship wants us to be, right? And some of us are moving in really healthy directions, and there are toxic relationships that are going to prevent us or slow us down from moving in healthy directions, right? So even I found this, uh, this quote uh, from some random quote that was in my Insta feed that says this, uh, Don't let getting lonely make you reconnect with toxic people. You shouldn't drink poison just because you're thirsty. So this feeling of loneliness that we feel, it's not just anybody and everybody that's going to help us not feel lonely. Because if we're with lots of people, but these relationships are toxic, it's not going to cure the loneliness that we feel. Right? There's something better. Now, I'm going to give a disclaimer. Um, Toxic people are not bad, not evil. I'm not saying that you need to go in and like, how dare you in, your, in the toxic relationships that you're in. I'm, they're not bad, not evil. I'm merely saying in, in the relationship, right? I'm not saying a moral claim on the individual people, but just in that relationship with multiple people, two or three or multiple people together, just that relationship is toxic. And being in that relationship is going to hold us back. So the big idea, the big idea is that as we're trying to um, Uh, minimize time in toxic relationships, maximize time in safe relationships, move forward in confidence um, with safe friends. Here's the big idea. Move toward and with safe friends. Move toward and with safe friends, right? So we ask the question, um, what do I do when my friends and I seem to be moving in different directions? What do I do? Here's the answer. The answer is move toward and with safe friends, right? So and sometimes somebody from a, really, from a toxic relationship will actually, as we're moving toward and with safe friends, a person from this toxic relationship, they're like, yeah, I want out of this toxic relationship too. I don't like this either. I'm going to come with you. I want to join you uh, as you're pursuing um, safe relationships. I want that too. And that's amazing, right? We would want that for everybody. But that's not everybody, That's not everybody. Sometimes in toxic relationships, there's just continued moving in different 
in different directions to where we uh, no longer can consider this toxic relationship while we're trying to move forward into this new and better thing that's happening in our life. So the big idea, move toward and with safe friends. And a safe relationship requires two safe people. A safe relationship requires two or more safe people. So for the rest of our time, we're going to ask, what does it mean to be a safe person, right? If I want a safe relationship, that sounds awesome. If I want a safe relationship that draws us closer to God, that draws us closer to others, that um, helps us become the unique person that God wants us to be, if I want to avoid toxic relationships, I myself need to be a safe person as I move with and toward safe friends. So how do we do that, right? Well, the best person to consider, the safest person of all time, is Jesus. Come on, y'all. Jesus, right? So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, we're going to be in John, John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14, it'll be on the screens as well. So we're going to see what made Jesus the safest friend of all time. It's this. The, um, the gospel author John says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So if we want to be a safe person like Jesus, if we want to be a safe friend, if we want to move toward and with other safe friends, if we want to have safe relationships, we need to be a safe person like Jesus. And we know that there's three ingredients to being a safe person. So a safe person equals dwelling plus grace plus truth. If you want to be a safe person, it's dwelling plus grace plus truth. Right? So we'll talk about each one of those. And what do I mean by that? So um, dwelling. Dwelling says um, somebody that can just sit with you. All right? You know those friends that you can just like sit across the table from them and they just like, there's like a beeline to your soul, and they, like, you don't even have to say anything. They're like, ooh, what's wrong, girl, right? Or guys are like, hey, bro, you doing all right, right? So these are just people that just, they can just sit and can connect, right? So uh, I'll, I'm going to make a kind of very broadly general claim, just in general, this is not with everybody, but in general, uh, females are better at this than males, just in general. Females are just really, really good at just connecting and just dwelling and just sitting with people. Guys, for the most part, this is not everyone. Some dudes are really good at this. Um, but just guys, for the most part, this is not our strong suit, right? So by this, I mean with dwelling, it's like, you know, you sit across from somebody, and it's not just like the, you know, whenever you talk about the weather. <sighs> Y'all, I hate talking about the weather. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. And yet, I still do it anyway sometimes. Why? It's because I mean that if I'm ever talking about the weather with you, it means I'm struggling with dwelling. Right? It's because I don't know, I'm not going to ask you anything about you, so I'm just going to talk about the sun. Hey, look at the sun. Oh, it's cloudy because it's Orlando. Oh, man. Well, that's all I have. Bye. There's, there's not a lot of dwelling going on, right? Or if we're just talking about sports and, and we're just talking about just kind of um, other, like, guys are really good at just sharing facts, and even uh, everyone, both uh, men and women, are good at sharing kind of facts and things and just talking about work. Um, oh, we love talking about work. We really, really do. 
Um, but a lot of times we talk about work in a way that we distance how we're actually feeling about it. So somebody who is really awesome at dwelling is somebody that can kind of penetrate and feel like, no, how are you feeling? How are, like, what's actually going on? It can just sit across the table and just connect with you with dwelling. All right? That's no- Next is grace. Have you ever felt like you needed to walk on eggshells around somebody? Like, like they, you would consider them a friend, like even like a good friend, but you still felt like, man, if I say the wrong thing, if I like do the wrong thing, oh man, I know that, man, if, with my roommate, if I leave a dirty spoon in the sink one more time, like they're going to blow up on me. Eesh. With, with people, um, with grace means that we feel permission to be vulnerable. We feel permission to be our truest self, and we know that even in our faults, even in our failures, we're going to be met with grace, right? We're going to be, we feel permission to be vulnerable. We feel permission to share what's really going on, to share what we're actually thinking about something. Not the thing that we think, that we think, that they think, that we think, that they want to hear. We share what we actually think, and we don't even think twice about it. Right? So for those of us um, that are good at grace, for those of us that are friends are good at, at being gracious, right, we feel permission to be vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, we know we're not going to be condemned. We're not going to be judged. A safe person is somebody that has dwelling and grace. Right? And then thirdly, is safe person equals dwelling plus grace plus truth. So what do I mean by truth? By truth, I mean somebody that just has really good nuggets of wisdom. Like sometimes we don't really know what's going on, and this safe, a safe friend would say, hey, I think this is what's going on. And you're like, your eyes get really big, and you're like, that's exactly what's going on. What are they doing? They're helping you define reality. That's what truth means, defining reality. So a safe person who has truth means that they're going to help you define reality, help you tell you how the world is um, in your life, right? Help bring awareness to yourself, right? Help bring awareness to what's going on inside you. Help bring awareness to what's going on uh, around you. Has really good nuggets of wisdom, right? So um, a a person that is really fun to hang out with, but you wouldn't take any ounce of advice from them because, like, if I do what they say, that would be terrible, like absolutely terrible, right? You're having a bad day, and like, oh, you know what you do? You should get blackout drunk, like four days in a row. You're like, I don't think I should do that at all. I think I should do something else, right? A safe person has dwelling plus grace and truth, right? A safe person equals dwelling plus grace plus truth, right? So now, admittedly, if we want to be a safe, if we want to have safe friends, if we want to have safe relationships, we ourselves need to be a safe person, right? So as I say, safe person equals dwelling plus grace plus truth, um, I think some of us do really well in one of them, maybe really well in two of them, but kind of struggle with the third one, right? So admittedly, I struggle with dwelling, it's difficult for me, and you know this, and I, I don't want to ask for a raise of hands, but how many of y'all have I not texted back? Right? A lot. <laughs> yeah, some people are like, no, I'm doing it anyway, Isaac. You did not text me back. <laughs> Why? Because I'm kind of like out of sight, out of mind, right? I'm, um, I just, I'm so kind of future-oriented. I'm always looking forward that I forget that I need to stop and just dwell with people and be present, right? Even here at the table, right? Again, I'm being vulnerable here. Uh, 
even here at the table, I'm constantly going from person to person to person that I have to remind myself so, so, so hard just to stop and be present with people. Um, I'm also, at times, not very gracious. I'm not. I, somebody says something, and I was like, oh, no, you shouldn't have done that. You're an idiot. And then I'm like, Isaac, why did you say that? That's not very gracious. You shouldn't say that to people. And then I start, like, I'm not gracious with myself as I'm not gracious with others. It's a really bad situation going on. But I also struggle with grace. Truth, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. <laughs> so I think for all of us, you may be somebody who is really good connecting with people, with dwelling, somebody who's very gracious, but you just don't know if you have a lot of wisdom, truth to give. Or you may be somebody who you're good at sitting with people and you're good at telling them like it is, no matter how they receive it, right? Not very gracious, right? So as we ourselves want to be a safe person, if we want to be a safe friend, we know that we're part of the the relationship, so we ourselves need to be a safe friend so that we can move with and move toward safe friends. Now, um, just a couple practicals, and then I'll tell a story, and then we'll wrap up. First practical. So if you're somebody that wants to consider, say, friends, here's what, number one, create a friend inventory. Here, a friend inventory. A friend inventory, right? So here's what a friend inventory is. A friend inventory is where you basically make a list, like on an Excel spreadsheet, in a Google Doc, I mean, I wouldn't publish it on Instagram. I wouldn't, like, take, a, like, a screenshot and, like, start listing, like, all the toxic people in my life. Screenshot, post Instagram. Do not do that. Please do not do that. Ple- y'all, please, please do not do that. <laughs> but it's very helpful if you're someone that's trying to move with and towards safe people. I would say the number one first step that you need to do, if you're sitting here and want that, is to create a friend inventory to where you list Everybody that's in your network here in Orlando, not back where you're from, here in Orlando. And you list people you work with, you list people here at the table, you list people in your life group, you list people that you're serving with, you list family members, anybody and everybody. You list people on your kickball team, uh, you list anybody and everybody, and then you just go through and you see, is this a toxic person or is this a safe person? Is this somebody that I have a safe relationship with? Or is this somebody that I have a toxic relationship with, right? And you're not sharing this with anybody. This is not something to disclose. Like, nobody's asking for this. This is merely for you to see the reality that you're living in here in Orlando. Part of the reason why some of us may feel lonely is because we realize we don't have any safe friends. So it's a really cool opportunity to recognize that, oh, actually, there's this person that's, um, you know, in my life group that, man, it would be really cool to start spending more time with them, right? I think I need to be a little more intentional with this safe person, um, which then goes to practical number two, um, which is, remember, being a safe friend is active and it takes time. Okay, I'm going to say this one more time. Being a safe friend is active and it takes time. I think a lot of us, like I did, um, thought that in order to have safe friends, I would just show up and this group of people would just magically embrace me and I would automatically be best friends with them like on day one, right? And then I would get carried away and we'd go on the beach and have all these magical adventures together. That's ideal. That'd be awesome if it happened that way. It doesn't happen like that most of the time. Most of the time, we have to identify and cultivate our own network of friends. And we need to be very active about it. So as you consider your friend inventory, um, you can consider who you want to cultivate these safe friendships with. 
And remember also, it's going to take time, right? I think I may have mentioned earlier, um, I don't know why, and this is not like scripture, this is not like any, like nobody wrote this in a book somewhere, just from my own personal experience, and I may be wrong for whatever reason, it takes about a year. It takes about a year to feel settled. If you're in a new city, if you're less than a year here in Orlando, and you feel, don't feel settled yet, and you don't feel, and you feel a little lonely, that's okay. Like I, my first year here too, here in Orlando, I felt the same way. It takes about a year. I don't know why. I could be wrong. I may be wrong. In my experience, I'm not. <laughs> As I talk with people, it's, al- it's always like when people start thriving, like I, I meet them here at the table. I meet them when they first arrive, and they're like, man, I'm just really trying to find friends. And then I check in with them, you know, throughout the process. Six months in, yeah, I'm still trying to find friends. Nine months in, yeah, I think I'm still trying to find friends. One year, I have this amazing group of friends. I'm like, oh, I don't know why. He, but I think part of the reason why is because uh, this person is safe and they've put in the time and effort to cultivate safe friendships. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes effort. Now, I'm going to close with a story. Um, so I, I've talked about my friend Ryan. Um, so I actually went to go visit Ryan last fall. So I went to Waco, and y'all aren't going to believe this. We played disc golf. But I knew better this time than to try to destroy him. He did beat me again. Um, so we go, and Ryan now, he's gotten married to this amazing wife um, uh, named Rachel. And they, just are, they are such a safe relationship to me. Right, they're so safe. I feel like they're both, Ryan and Rachel, are both very safe people, dwelling grace and truth. I feel open to be, I feel permission to be vulnerable. And in my vulnerability, they're going to extend so much grace to me. They're going to sit with me. They're going to tell me truth, right? They're going to help me define my own reality as I'm just processing my life. So I got to go hang out with them in Waco. I was already living here in Orlando. I got to go to Waco to go visit them. And, um, so it's, we're up late. They also love Survivor. I don't know if y'all know. I like Survivor. I don't know if y'all, some people know this about me. I, yeah, it's, I, I, I just really enjoy it. So they also like Survivor. So, so we're, we're watching it up. I'm hanging out with them, and we're watching an episode of Survivor. Um, and then, um, you know, it, we're up talking, and I'm talking with both of them, Ryan and Rachel. And then it's like getting to midnight, 1230, and Rachel's like, you boys stay up. I'm going to bed. <laughs> So she's so smart, goes to bed, gets really good rest. Uh, and Ryan and I are just idiots staying up super late until 2 in the morning talking. So, but as we're talking, we're just like processing. No, and at this point, we've had 11 years of knowing each other. We've known each other for 11 years. I met Ryan my freshman year of college. And now we have this really awesome relationship of 11 years. And at the end of our conversation, you know what Ryan tells me? He says, Isaac, this is the healthiest I've ever seen you. And I started bawling. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, I, this is the healthiest I've ever seen you. And I'm like, dude, th- that's really awesome that you would say that. Like, just help me understand. He's like, yeah, I feel like before, it's not that you were a bad person. You were just always on the go, always just very interested in yourself. You were always considering just the things about what your world, and you would just kind of struggle, like, considering other people, just caring for people, um, being able to just give, you know, your own wisdom to people. And I feel like now, I just, I just feel like this is, in the 11 years that I've known you, um, this is the healthiest I've ever seen you. <laughs> it, it, it was awesome to hear that for somebody who's known me for so long. But y'all know why he said that? It's not because of me. It's because of y'all. Because I've been here in Orlando for two years. 
And I've had really safe people here in Orlando. And I've learned for myself what it means to be a safe friend. And I've tried and I've taken steps. I've developed where before I was not a safe person. But now, um, and technically, Ryan didn't even technically call me a safe person. He just said it was the healthiest he's seen me. So y'all take that with a grain of salt. Uh, But I think part of the, the growth and development that he saw was just spending time here at the table, spending a lot of time with Doug, who's been very safe to me, spending a lot of time with our staff team, spending a lot of time with, with our life group leaders, our coaches, our captains, our, our residents, just people here, members here at the table. So after two years of just being able to do that and then going back for somebody to say, yeah, to say what he told me, it, just, it, was, it, was, really, it was really cool. It was a really cool moment. So... Being in safe relationships, the big idea, moving with and toward safe people is going to help you flourish in life as you consider friendships. So um, I don't get it right all the time. Um, I still mess up a lot. I'm still not always a safe friend. I still struggle with dwelling at times. I still struggle with being gracious at times. Um, Even truth, I still struggle with knowing truth at times. But I'm not a perfect friend, but that's my aim and that's, I hope that's our aim for all of us, is that all of us just kind of put our aim on Jesus to be a really safe friend. And that as we're following Jesus, we ourselves can model Jesus' life in dwelling in grace and truth so that here at the table and here in Orlando can be some of the safest relationships that people have ever had. So we're going to stand and sing in a little bit, but I'm going to pray for us. Um, so, Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your steadfast love, God, and for your grace toward us. Thank you, Jesus, for being the best friend that any of us have ever had and just modeling what it means to be a safe friend as we're pursuing safe relationships. I just pray for my friends here at the table, um, God, that we will uh, just cultivate safe relationships here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.